Welcome to the See You Next Summer podcast. I am your host, Billy Pollahan, and with me, as always, is the Mr. Glass to my David Dunn, or the David Dunn to my Mr. Glass. Who knows at this point, but Raul Rodriguez. And guys, this is a very special month because this is Raul's birthday month. Yes! Yay! Yay! This month, we like to call... M. Night 2, Electric Boogaloo, because we are doing M. Night Shyamalan Month 2, our first sequel month. Yes! The sequel! Yes! Ah, so fucking excited. I cannot believe that we're going to do M. Night again. And today, we're going to start the original MCU, goddammit. Not before fucking Disney and everything. The start of... I still think it's the best M. Night Shyamalan movie that he has made. We'll see what Billy thinks. It's his first time watching it. The first part of the East Trail 177 trilogy, Unbreakable, released in 2000. Yep, starring Bruce Willis and Robin Wright, as well as uh, Samuel L. Jackson and mm-hmm. the kid from Gladiator, Spencer Treat Clark. Mm-hmm. pretty decent cast it's very small budget this was right after the sixth sense which this is something that m night Shyamalan likes to do which we were discussing this before recording literally mm-hmm. just minutes ago is that we feel like he has like a raffle of actors mm-hmm. he's worked with in a movie before and then he picks a name out and then he's just like all right you're gonna be immediately immediately in my next project mm-hmm. in this case it was bruce willis <laughs> you would have thought <laughs> <coughs> sorry it would be like Haley joel osmond or something as the mm-hmm. kid especially since Haley joel osmond was nominated for best supporting actor yeah i'm so sorry i just <laughs> swallowed not, wrong not way no uh raul take it from here yeah and so it's like you said it's pretty interesting that Haley joel osmond was not there but also because this is my birthday mine i have a joke that i didn't even tell billy that I was gonna do before recapping the the, the movie we come to this feed for wonder. We come to this podcast to laugh, to cry, because we need that. That indescribable feeling when the hosts are ranting, dazzling discussions with really loud voices. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a podcast like this. And movie arguments feel perfect and powerful because here they are. See you next summer. We make podcasts better. <laughs> I hate you. I knew it. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh for those that don't get the reference he has been sending me the nicole kidman amc commercial non-stop it it is a meme legendary meme but it has been non-stop i just it's stockholm syndrome at this point he made me love it so yeah good on you though yeah thank you thank you it took me 20 minutes to fucking perfect this but then (laughs) We're going to start the movie, and the movie has a really interesting thought that I f- forgot about it, the the intro text that says, well, even though I don't think that these estimates are relevant today, though, there are 35 no. pages and 124 illustrations in the average comic book. A single issue ranges in prices of from $1 to $140,000. 172,000 comics are sold in the U.S. every day. I'm pretty sure because of Disney is more. Over 62,780,000 each year. The average comic collector owns 33,312 comics and it will spend uh, approximately one year to read all of them. And then we start in a flashback in Philadelphia in a department store in 1961. Yep, Philadelphia. That's another cliche. Oh, this has all of them night's tricks. Or the and PCU. <laughs> the PCU, the Pens- uh, the Philadelphia Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes, it starts off with this uh, Bruce Willis on a train. No, don't forget the flashback. Oh, Elijah's yes, birth. the flashback of uh, Elijah Price's birth. And his mother is holding him, and then they got a doctor in there, and the doctor asks... Has he ever has he been dropped? And they're like, excuse me, because mm-hmm. both his 
arms and legs are broken. Mm-hmm. They were broken inside the womb. So he broke his bones even before he was born. And then we start the amazing fucking music. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yes. James Newton Howard's score. Mm-hmm. I texted Raul this. I was like, this is an amazing score. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And then exactly like Billy said, we start with Bruce Willis. He's aboard the Israel 177 train. And he says that the next stop is for Philadelphia. And we see a classic staple of a night of moving the camera from one point to another, almost in the same frame. Like uh, he's between two seats and he's showing David that is Bruce Willis taking off his wedding ring. And then we see a woman that was like, can I take this seat here? And then as we see in the background that there's another man joining in the other side of the train, that's going to be important for the the third movie though. (laughs) And it's this person that is not interested in a fashion magazine. It's interested in, in a sports magazine. And she's standing kind of like a manager. And then immediately, like, they're talking about this kid that is, like, he's so fast. And in my head, I was like, spin-off? <laughs> like, he's so fast and he's really good at football. And I'm like, this will be a nice Shyamalan cyborg. And, and then I was like... um. And then I was like, you like football? And, you know, and she's like, no, 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 not really, says David. And then she immediately said, no, I'm married. And he's like, I'm, that's not what I meant, though. And then he leans back into the window. And then he starts seeing a child that is staring at him between those all of this argument. And then he stares on the other side of the train. And he notices that something is wrong. And then, boom, the lights go out. And then we see... Joseph watching TV, flipping on the channels. Even Joseph, he flipped. Joseph is his son. Mm-hmm. Also, that's Spencer Tree Clark. Just those that don't know. Yeah. Anyway, continue. And, and then Joe, he's seeing the the crash, and he sees on a poster that he was on the Israel one seven seven at three forty p.m. And then I love this really interesting shot of Bruce Willis in the middle, and the doctor is in, interviewing him, and we see just a person on a on a blanket. And he slowly is dying, and we see like the blood, like the blood rushing in the middle. And the doctor is asking him the questions, like, um, "Do you have any injuries? Like, uh, what was the thing that you were doing before the crash? Were you really in the passengers' cabinet? Were you? Did you move before the crash?" He's like, "No, I was there the whole time." Or like, "What happened?" It's like, "Well, you and another person that broke his skull. You're the only two people." That survived the accident. But then but here's we see that the that twist. person that, that is, is that just the died. other person is going to die. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that Bruce Willis, he doesn't have a scratch on him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been in like a vehicle uh, crash, especially like uh, I hope you would never be in a train crash. Otherwise, oh my God. you would probably have heard about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're probably going to die if that's the case. So that's why everybody in the hospital, um, to bring it back to our previous month, uh, like like Harry Potter, they just look and they stare at him. Mm-hmm. I feel like some with disgust, some with contempt, like mm-hmm. they wish it would be somebody else. And we see little Joseph just run towards his dad. And then all the media happens again, like Harry Potter. Yep. And then David's the chosen one, I guess. <laughs> the, the chosen one. And then... They, we, they go back into the house, and Audrey, is uh, Robin Wright, is asking, was like, Ray, what happened in, in New York? And he's like, I didn't get the job, but I'm still going to move there. And then we see that David goes to the funeral of everyone that died in the accident. But then he goes back to his car, and on the windshield, there's a postcard. where he opens it, says, limited edition. It says, how many days of your life have you been sick? G. I know, not like A. It just says question mark. And and then he goes to he goes back to his work and the secretary he asked uh, the secretary was like, I read about you. I saw an accident too. A horse, a horse one. They put him down though. Uh, it was like, a, can you ask how many deaths have I uh, sick have, have been taken? 
And then we see after this, we see that David is wearing the iconic rain poncho, the green rain poncho. Which, um, if you're a fan of DC Comics, mm -hmm. I learned about this because I watched this on Amazon. Oh, that cool. he looks like the Spectre, which is this character, this ghostly character that has a big green cape and hood. And it's also supposed to be like much like superheroes with like a cape or a hood or something. It's his it's his mm -hmm. uniform. It's the little um, modern twist to the superhero, mm -hmm. because this is what the movie is mainly about. It's a deconstruction of the superhero genre. And there is a lot of talk about good versus evil and how bad guys operate, how good guys operate. A lot of it from Elijah. Yes. Oh my it's, God. It's it, really cool to listen it's to. It's really damn cool, especially it's interesting that a movie like this got made before the comic book boom, because this movie was made in 2000. And before that, we only had like Blade, the original Superman movies with Christopher Reeve and... The Batman movies of Tim Burton and the ones with uh, Joe Schumacher. Well, and then that same year, X-Men would come out. And then mm -hmm. that was the ushering of the modern superhero mm -hmm. movies, which a lot of those films in the early 2000s are not good. <laughs> They're, you, every once in a while, you get your Spider-Man 2 and your X-2s. But mm -hmm. then you get your Daredevils and your Electras and <sighs> your... Catwoman. Catwoman's God, your Catwoman's. Um, <laughs> and it still happens today. Mm -hmm. I mean, most famously, we're going to bring it up, uh, Morbius. Ah! I think that is a very prime example of... One uh, of or, the worst movies I have ever seen. Jesus. Or Suicide Squad, if you're a DC person. Um, I think Morbius is at the level of bad of Captain Marvel bad. Ooh... And are we going to do Captain Marvel? No. No. We're not doing the MCU, so stop asking. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do it. This is the MCU that we're doing. And you, Brie Larson, I'm a gay Mexican man that did not like your movie. Sorry. <laughs> and, it was, it, but it wasn't made for you. Ah. Uh, Much like Turning Red, which uh, uh, as yeah, a that's true. white man, um, <laughs> it was exhausting. And did it, uh, I didn't relate to it. I actually have not seen Turning Red at this point, so I will get back to you on it. Look, mm -hmm. I have a lot on my plate. Raul just yeah. made a shocked face at me. Yeah, anyway, yeah, go yeah. back go back to David Dunn. And I have seen you so many memes about Turning Red. Wow, I'm surprised. Oh, I know, because you are the girl. You're the yes. main character. Yes. And we go to the college stadium. <laughs> and so they're in the college stadium, and David is looking at all of the players. And then we see that his boss was like, oh, yeah, you had never taken a day out, a sick day. I'm going to give you a $40 a week, but no more $40 a week raise. And then we see that he's going back to Audrey. I was like, do you remember me ever getting sick? Can you remember? Don't you think that it's weird that I don't even remember getting a cold or a sore throat or the flu? And as we go into another flashback, we're in West Philadelphia 1974. We see Elijah with a broken arm. And he says, I'm not going to go out there anymore after what just happened. And then the mother said, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. Maybe that's what God planned, planned for. You cannot hide from it sitting in a room. And then he says, they call me Mr. Glass at school because I break like glass. And the mother said, you made this decision to be afraid. You will never turn back. You will always be afraid. I got a present for you. If you want it. It's on that bench across the street. And I love the way that the camera goes through the window and we see that beautiful shade of, of purple right there on the bench. As we see Elijah walking to get it. Yeah, the color scheme in this movie. Colors mm -hmm. are very important. And we get a dark blue and it's always raining when mm -hmm. it's associated with David, which is fitting because water plays a big part in this movie as well as purple for Elijah. Now purple is usually like a like a royal color or like for yeah, royalty mm -hmm. and like for upper class or whatever, but a man that has uh let me look up the medical name for it, osteogenesis, osteogenesis imperfecta. imperfecta. Mm -hmm. Which is he 
has a certain protein that he can't produce, so his bones are very brittle. And he says he has a stage one of it, or like he's he's a class one. Mm-hmm. And that there are is class two, three, and four. And he goes, the class fours don't last that long. That's later in the movie, but yeah, yes, but um, damn, it's, it's crazy. They call him Mister Glass, mm-hmm. and that's then, a kind of a cool nickname, though. And that's how he got obsessed with comic books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he opens the the, the present, as we see that it's an active comics featuring the battle with J- I, with Jawaro, and I'm like, cough, uh, foreshadowing for Glass, <laughs> and then the mother says, "Oh, I heard about this one." I was like, uh, if you come here outside every time, there's going to be one of these waiting for you. But she's pointing at the comic book. And so she bribes him. Yeah, she bribes him. And they said that this one has a, foresh- uh, a surprise ending. I was like, foreshadowing, motherfucker! <laughs> for all of the trilogy! <laughs> Sometimes M-, M. Night is a little too on the nose. Yeah. For his own good. <laughs> And anyway. then we got into the comic book shop, the uh, limited edition art gallery. As we see, Mr. Glass is showing the same cover of his, the comic book in the flashback. And he's saying that this was kind of like drawn in 1968. And it's a classic depiction of good versus evil. He's talking about the jaw of like the superhero that is slayed and the disproportionate body of Jaguar. I was like, uh, it's always coming with villains. The amazing thing is the depiction of the figures when the character reach, but then the magazine will always exaggerate everything. But that's the kind of like it's showing like between like the first concept art against like how it was printed in the magazine. Yeah, it's a sketch. Uh huh. And so the and guy it's was vintage. like, "Vintage, it's vintage, yeah." And the guy was like, "Oh yes, amazing! Wrap it up. My son Jeb is gonna like it." And he's like, "What the fuck? How old is this Jeb?" <laughs> He's four years old. Get out of my store. This is art. Like the other giant. This is art. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but he he does have a good point. He's like, yeah. yeah, I'm selling this vintage fucking comic book. What four-year-old is going to... That four-year-old is going to tear it and wipe his mm-hmm. ass with it. Like, I would be the same way. I'd be like, dude, if you want... Like, what four-year-old would want, like, art? Like that, like well, on, on a he, piece of even, fucking a drawing, he they, he wouldn't like it. Especially yeah, like, like, like if you were hanging up in his room or something, that's yeah. one thing. But if you're just gonna give it to him, then what's what is a four year old gonna do with that? And even mm-hmm. Elijah brings this up. He's just like, do you see any like Teletubbies or anything, any toys that four year olds would like? Mm-hmm. No. And I love the way he just describes everything. It's like an art dealer. Mm-hmm. It really shows just how intelligent and smart he is. Well, it's the same thing, but yeah, how intelligent and sophisticated he is. Like his greatest power is his mind. Yes, which that is a very, very dangerous thing. Hmm. Oh my god! Especially if there was a someone that likes to check brains and clocks <laughs> in New York, and then I was like, "It says you wasted my time, my friend." I was like, good day, sir. Uh, That's a piece of art. And then as we see, we see David. We see David coming in with Joseph. He's like, I got a card. And Mr. Goes like, everybody has a mailbox. They got it open in two weeks. It was located on my windshield. And they start a conversation. And then it was like, uh, Mr. Goes like, how certain have you know? How certain that you you are right now? I was like, like 75%. That's not certain at all. I was like, I had the assumption that you had never been injured. And then Joseph was like, that had been injured before. Is the child correct? Yeah, in college I was in a car accident. And then I couldn't play football anymore. Okay, and then he's like, can we talk about that not in my car? I was like, uh, well, the thing that I study is the form of comics. In- intimate, like intimate, in an intimate way. I spent a third of my, of my life in, in a hospital. The only thing that I could do is reading comic books. I think that comic books are a way of passing history. Like the patterns between the Egyptians that they drew on walls. I believe that comics are a form of history. That someone felt the expressions and then will tell later, but then everything became so much commercial and just up in cartoon for sale. This city has been having its share of, of destruction, a plane crash, 
a carnation a hotel. And then I watched the news about uh, waiting for a specific words. I saw someone that saw, saw about a train crash unharmed. And then he, like you said, he says about his disease, osteogenesis imperfecta. It's a genetic disorder. And then maybe you could be, so they could be someone the opposite of me. Someone that doesn't get sick, maybe doesn't even know it. This kind someone of Someone unbreakable or yeah. title sequence where it's just like someone unbreakable title sequence. They're alive, <laughs> damn it. It's a miracle. <laughs> and then it's just like splattered with blood. Yeah. Again, you guys should watch Invincible. That's another ah. great deconstruction of the, or it's Superhero. a good parody of the superhero stuff. Same with the boys. I think that Invisible is more like a is like I don't think that Invisible is a parody though. I think it's something. Oh, well, I mean the parody too. is a lot of things where you can definitely see certain influences. Like mm-hmm. Omni Man is very, very clearly Superman. Same with yes. Homelander, which they, I guess they just like making evil Superman a thing. She has a Superman fan, and I find that racist, but I'll let that go. I'll let that go. The character is eighty-four years old now. Happy mm-hmm. birthday, Super. Uh, <laughs> wow, he's almost a hundred. Yeah, yeah, he's older than you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, um, but then Elijah was like, uh, but maybe there's holes in your story. I was like, uh, and then and then David so I was like, people like you take advantage of people telling stories. I just need your credit card number and a small down payment. I thought you were the person that wrote this novel had an answer for me. You don't have it. And then uh, Mr. Glass asked Elijah, I was like, uh, what, are you, what is your profession? I'm a, I'm a security guard. And then as he goes back home, he sees a paper clippings of all of his football games, but also about the car crash right next to a paper clipping that he survived the train crash. Oh, yeah. And some context. So David's marriage is crumbling. Not mm-hmm. topical at all for Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He doesn't, they don't sleep in the same room. He sleeps uh, up in his son's room, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of like between the son's room and maybe like a sofa. Yeah, and she sleeps down in the the living room on the couch, which Mm -hmm. you would think it would be reversed. So yeah, yeah, subverting that expectation. (laughs) There's just an, uh, an air of awkwardness between Robin Wright and bruce willis but that's supposed to be intentional and i love Mm -hmm. the fact that david is like yeah you're nuts dude because any normal person listening to elijah price talk like this you'd think he'd be nuts too Mm -hmm. i mean i would i'd be like i don't that's a very interesting conspiracy theory but i don't believe any of this of course um we see that joseph is gonna believe it but joseph's a kid yeah he's a kid he can believe anything Mm -hmm. and also the thing that he said about the comics could tell a, a different parts of our story and our past, uh, that's for Shattering for Glass too. <laughs> but I mean, he does bring up a good point. It's just mm-hmm. like, it is history passed down. In a way, it is. Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, comic books, uh, the thing about not just comic books, but like music and TV and movies is that it's all forms of art that are reflective of our society, of where mm-hmm. we are, or if they want to say something, it's it, or a reflection of your environment. A lot of the times, it's it's a lot of commentary mm-hmm. on the world itself, and I love that they bring that fact up. Yeah, because it it's history. like it's like people today that says that art is not political, and I'm like, bitch, always been political. It always has been political. Even paintings were political. It's just oh yeah, drawings. You know how many political cartoons there are? Mm-hmm. I'm also seeing like paintings from like the 17th century all the way back. And also, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's just politics that you don't like, or they're not subtle because mm-hmm. it's never subtle and it's annoying. No. Yeah. What and happens then after this, is this where we go? Um, we where go he's to the working security at the game, and then Elijah goes there. Then because Elijah is like a. You could have been anything. You could have been a tax accountant, a gym owner, but you chose to protect people. You make that decision and I find it interesting. But I also, I need your credit card number. That last part <laughs> was a joke. <laughs> and then as he... <laughs> but not really. But not Motherfucker. really. And then <laughs> they go 
to see all of the people that going into the to the to, uh, fucking the stadium. the stadium. Thank you. And David, he tells one of the security guards to check everybody's pockets because he has a feeling where he passed one of those people, a person in a camouflage kind of like big coat, and. The Mr. Mr. Price he notices immediately. I was like, uh, "Why you say that?" It was like, "I think maybe that person has a gun," because the way that he's using that code, and especially people with guns, when they watch a game and they're and they're drunk, if they get angry that the team lost, something could happen. And but he's like, "But how can you know that it's a gun?" It's like, I'm pretty sure he has a gun in a holster on one, on his right side. Ah, uh, yes, the introduction of one of the abilities. Mm-hmm. Because it, in this movie, we know now everything Elijah is saying is not bullshit. Mm-hmm. It actually is exi- uh, existing. It's it's a lot like Heroes, actually, where it's just normal people and everything, and then you just expect <laughs> Peter Petrelli to come and just say, save the cheerleader, save the save world. The world. And like I- Masioka is out in Times Square going, like, do the thing. Hello, New York. Like, there's so many. <laughs> like, when he says about the hotel burning on fire, this was a reference in season two of Heroes. Claire Bennett was in a fire as a baby. Claire Bennett was there, <laughs> goddammit. Uh, also, you're, you're really stretching. The Unbreakable like Universe is owned by Universal now, and Heroes is owned by UBC Universal. So the crossover yeah, yes. can happen. Oh, yes, now. Now. But, I mean, the Heroes franchise has been dead and buried for a while. So Thank you, it's Tim It's been Green. dead ever since season two because of the writer's strike. No, no, no. It died because of Heroes Reborn. Well, <laughs> the irony of something being called Reborn and then immediately <laughs> just shitting the bed and dying like a like a sick animal. It's like, it's like that meme that you say many times, we don't talk about it. We, 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 we don't talk about Heroes Reborn. Oh, yeah, uh, the Black Panther Infinity War thing. Uh, yeah, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. No, 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 no. Oh, uh, but who does he interrogate? Well, like, he's waiting for... Uh, he, he sees people in the bathroom, and he knows it's somebody in, like, a... Um, yeah. In the, in the flashback. The, the bathroom is another scene later. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That cameo. Yeah, but there's a, there's a guy with... Um, with a yellow jacket or something. It's, well, it's shown because the, the precog abilities are like mm-hmm. in black and white. So you need a color that stands out. So yellow mm-hmm. is another one. Yeah. And so immediately we see this person in the camouflage leaving because he's noticing that everybody's getting kind of like padded, like to see if they have something else. And then Elijah was like, about how can you know exactly if that person had that? It, it had that it was like a, but maybe you have really good instincts. Maybe like knowing what people have done before. So people that have done something wrong. And he's like, what you're talking about? Maybe it's your skill. Characters in comics have these attributes, kind of like special power, like invisibility or like x-rays. And and David was like, I don't want to play this game any for, anymore. It's an exaggeration of the truth, maybe, but it's an instinct. And then he asked, uh, Elijah asked one more question. Was there someone with you in that carcass? Yes, my wife, Audrey. Then we see Elijah going to his car, but he sees this guy in the camouflage jacket, and he starts chasing him. And this is one of the my favorite shots in the whole movie, the way that Knight frames his fear with of the stairs, and the way that he's moving his feet slowly, not to stumble, Oh, and when that cane drops, oh, God, and you hear and all of the bones. shatters. Mm-hmm. And how everything else shatters, because he tumbles down those stairs pretty badly. Mm-hmm. And then you just hear the... <laughs> the sound design's pretty good. And then he sees that the guy going through the turnstile, but he knows he sees the gun. That so he knows he... that David was correct. Mm-hmm. That David was correct. It's kind of amazing as well that there was any security because this was before 9-11. Mm-hmm. So security was like, people don't understand. I wasn't there, but back then you could meet somebody at a terminal or back then you could just walk into a plane 
Yeah. Or like you didn't have to go through any TSA or anything. You just walk right onto a plane, which is especially scary once uh, you find out uh, something later in the movie. Oh, yes. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, and this this happened the very next year. Mm hmm. It's like, um, man, that's really awful. Yeah, and then we get into the next scene is the bench press scene. As we Best see, best scene the... in the movie. Oh, that's your favorite scene. Interesting. Aside from the ending, mm -hmm. uh, best scene in the movie. Oh, I still have another one of my favorite scenes. Is for me is the him looking at his ability at the at the train station. Huh. Well, maybe, no, but it's but, interesting uh, choice for the bench press because he's the, he's doing exercises and Joseph is right there. I was like, uh, and then he's like, how much did that weigh? And then he and then David was like, that was two fifty. That could have been dangerous, Joseph. And then it was just was like, no, no, I will take some some off. And then he does another pull. I was like, how much did that weigh? Two seventy. I lied. I put on more weight. He's like, okay, let's put on more. I was like, oh, that was like 300. We, we could do some more. And then he asked her like some paint bottles on both sides, like four paint bottles in total. Was the, what was that in total? 350. Oh, and, yeah. And then the paint cans. Yeah, the paint because cans. Because they ran out of weight. <laughs> mm -hmm. And just the fact that, yeah, he is, he is struggling, but he is able to do it. Mm-hmm. Well beyond any expectations. Usually, like, that's a lot of weight for a guy that's supposedly out of shape. Yeah. yeah. That's like three me's. <laughs> <coughs> oh, that's a me? The, the, the thing that he carried. And then we see, da we see David, and he's like, and no, no, sorry, we see Elijah. They're telling him that he had 14 breaks in between all of his bones, and he just says, they call me Mr. Glass. They're telling him that he has to use as a wheelchair as we go into his eye, and then we open into a hospital room where we see Audrey, and she's attending Elijah. And then Elijah was like, "Well, I asked too many questions when I'm nervous." I was like, uh, "And then he asked, and I was like, because he asked about the accident, and I was like, uh, and she's like, well, if that accident would have never happened, maybe we, I would have never been together with my husband.'" I told him not to play football anymore. I didn't like the violence of it. I didn't want any more violence in my life. And after that accident, football was out of the equation. But and then, if you if you've seen Ted Lasso and you know a character named Danny Rojas, football is life. <laughs> and then I was like, oh. and then Elijah was like, what part of David was injured? And she's like, who said that my the name his name was David? And then we cut into Mr. Glass and he's talking about all of the different events that happened before the, the train accident. A plane crash at 737 that took off and it technically blew, blew up exactly on takeoff. 172 people died, no survivors. Um could this be final destination? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. There, maybe. Oh. Um, is this also where Joseph gets in trouble at school and we learn some backstory? Yes, I, this is right right after this. that We know the backstory of David. And then it was a hotel fire. 211 people died. No survivors. And then the East Trails, 177 derailed seven and a half miles outside of the city. And 131 people died, but only one survivor. I suggested something improbable, but maybe this could be a probability. Maybe. Maybe. But um, also, David is becoming, he's like, dude, stop talking to me and my family. Mm -hmm. Like, from his perspective, he's coming at this like totally normal. Yes. Like, some weird dude with like bone disease who's uh, going around now in a wheelchair like Professor X is just. <laughs> Like, hey, what about this crazy stuff? It's real, by the way. The aliens are coming, is what he might as well say. And he's just like, yeah, get away from me, you lunatic. Very no, well, smart. 
stalkery serial killer vibes. Oh, he could say you like hot dogs. They have a bad. They have a bad shape. They have a bad shape, though. <laughs> they get a bad rap. They get a bad rap. Protein, and they're and they're really good for you. <laughs> they're good for the environment. <laughs> and then we get into M Night Shyamalan's cameo. We see that David is a, he's in the in the in the in the stadium. As we see M Night going into a bathroom, and he's wearing kind of like a. We see everything black and white, but he's jacket is kind of like a mix of blue and red and as we see that he's going back into the line like to get inside the stadium and he's like can you step out of the line says david to Enoch Shyamalan we have problems before with people selling drugs at the stadium can you please raise your arms and then he notices that he didn't find anything and M. Night says I hope you'll find them and then as we see that David gets a call from, from school and because Joseph was in a, kind of one of those bully kind of situations. And then the the teacher was like, you don't remember me, right, David? I was young. I remember that when you, you were younger, even younger than your son. There's stories that people say about what happened in the pool many years ago. That a kid right, was at the bottom of the pool for five minutes. They pulled him out and he was dead. They still tell that story. And she's like, you're still phobic of water, right? As they get out of the, uh, the school, and Joseph is like, Dad, I'm not like you. And then he, and David's like, yes, you are. You're a, you're a human. I mean, no, Dad, I admit it. You're different. Yeah, Joseph is like the, come on, Dad, you got to believe. And through the power <laughs> of a child's belief. But also, he was in trouble because he was trying to stand up for somebody else getting bullied. Mm-hmm. But he got the, his ass kicked. But he didn't mm-hmm. care. And that just shows his character, which is really good. And yes, we learned that he is aquaphobic. Mm-hmm. And also kind of racist in that scene with M. Night pulling away the brown person <laughs> that just got there. Which they do at the airport all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm calling you out, airports. I guess this is just the theme today, is just airports and the TSA. And the after effects of 9-11, because it's true, it's pretty relevant. And it's then, not in a direction I was intending to go, trust no, me. No, I'm surprised as well that you went there. And, and then we get into, this is a scene that I like, but it's so shocking. Of Joseph with the gun. Oh, yeah. No, this is a really good. This shows M. Night um, making a good scene with a lot of tension. Yes. But it's also just comes out of like nowhere. It's also, mm-hmm. you're like you said, very shocking. And it's like, whoa, Joseph, you went from zero to 100 real quick. Yes. Cooler. Because he's like, I prove you that, that you will not get hurt. I was like, I approve it right now. And they were like, uh, sometimes when people get sick, it says the audio, sometimes when people get sick for a lot of time, like Elijah, their mind gets hurt too. And that was like, and then they were like, that story about the boy in the pool, that was me. And then Joseph was like, I will only shoot you once. And then it was like, if I pull the trigger, and then he's like, if you pull that trigger, I will leave for New York. Right now, even if the bullet will bounce, I will leave. I'm your friend, Joseph. You don't have to shoot a friend. I'm your father. Put that damn gun down right now. Yep, and like David, like, or no, no, not David, but uh, Joseph. Joseph great acting. Pulled, uh, yeah, great acting from uh, Spencer Treat Clark. Once hmm. again, second time in a row, really good child actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Good casting choice there, M. Night. But uh, he pulls the hammer back on the gun. Mm-hmm. And he's about to shoot, but he just can't do it. And, of course, he empties the gun and everything. And he stays there. And um, the fact that we forgot about the subplot about um, David and Audrey trying to give their marriage another try. Which I feel like it doesn't really have any relevance no. to the story. Mm-hmm. Just there for padding. But once mm-hmm. again, much like The Sixth Sense, it's a marriage that's on the rocks. Mm-hmm. And there's a dinner scene. 
Yeah. And then something happens where it's a big ass twist involving Bruce Willis. <laughs> and Bruce Willis really did, can play anger very well mm-hmm. as well, which is weird to think because he was known for like when he first started his career, he did a lot of comedy with like Moonlighting. Yes. And then he did Die Hard. He was known for act- action. And then he did a couple serious stuff. This is one of the things that was like the serious stuff. This and Sixth Sense, I think, is they're probably both two of his best performances. Yes. And really showcases his skills as an actor. Well, also, I don't know, that's maybe that's just me. No, and you have a point because Bruce Willis also. Also, he shows actually he's pretty good at like uh, the diversity that he has, like the range. Like he can be great action lead, he could be a great uh, also comedy lead, and also he can be a great drama lead because his best one of his best comedies. One of for me, I will put in top five performances of Bruce Willis. Him and Deb becomes her is a great performance. I knew you were gonna say that, and you are correct. He it's is a classic. Awesome. He's awesome and death becomes her. Yeah. And so, so what happens after this? Is this the one where uh he gets the um, kind of like has a, the He gets kind of like the message and no not yet. I was like uh, he goes back to Elijah and Elijah was like, You fake a cred your crash for a woman. I know that love is forever, but maybe now and also I know that you don't fulfill your duties according to your wife. And then he's like, stop messing with my life, Elijah. I was in the hospital once. I had pneumonia. Stay away from my from my family. And then as we see in a comic book shop, and I love this random line of this extra, you better not be jacking out to the Japanese comics, I swear to God. Shyamalan <laughs> staple where there's yes. the one random extra that has like the weirdest life just bizarre line that takes you it has no place in the movie but it just is so funny yes you can't help but mention it unfortunately that's what the happening was that was all the happening was it's just random bizarre lines lines, Mm -hmm. but that are so funny that it's just you can't help but kind of marvel at it and it kind of works Mm -hmm. the happening is coming goals Mm-hmm. It always happens in every uh, M Night movie. Yes, always. Even in the Sixth Sense, I I can't remember the line, but I know there's got to be like a random like. I think there was there. a really good joke, but I'm forgetting it right now. Yeah, yeah, but it's, there's it's, something that always sounds so random. Like, for example, in the next movie, you Split, when the old lady's looking at the the psychologist is looking at the cameras like a. Oh, are you already concocting this random piece of reheated chicken wings that smell horrible and you're not even going to be gracious about it? And it usually it's involves, so random. <laughs> you know, and it usually involves M. Night Shyamalan himself when yes. he cameos in his movies, <laughs> which and, he hasn't done, honestly, in a, in a couple films, which I miss his cameos. Oh, he had a cameo in Servant. He was one of the FedEx people dropping a package. Yeah, but he didn't create that show. He wrote mm-hmm. the pilot and directed the pilot. But do you really count that? I mean, like, directed movies. I was mm-hmm. expecting a cameo from him in old. Like, as, like, a skeleton or something. Or, like, as well, a ghost he or had whatever. a cameo. He was the driver. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I mean, His cameo was a little did he, bigger. Did he, have one in, did he have one in glass? Yes. Remember when he... I remember he Split. Goes- he goes to the Bruce Willis shop of security, like cameras, and he admits that he had was a junkie in the stadium, making it canon oh, yeah. that all of his three cameos was the same character in the trilogy. Huh. Oh yeah, that's right, Jay. Mm-hmm. That's that's his character. I yeah. totally forgot about that. It's been a while. Raul clearly knows M Night Shyamalan more than I do. The MCU, baby, the M Night Shyamalan Cinematic I, Universe. This is why he got to pick. Because mm-hmm. just a little side note, whenever our birthday months come up, we get to pick the theme. Yeah. I chose this year Tim Burton and Raul chose Shyamalan too. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's gonna do next May, but I'm sure it's gonna be something crazy. Just as kooky and crazy <laughs> as it might be Shyamalan three for all we know. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe. <laughs> when that new movie comes out, baby. Uh, and yeah. then we see Which he just started filming as of this recording yesterday. Yes, knock at the cabin. I already want to see it. 
I don't care what it's about. Um, and then we see the next scene as so we see the the dating. We see Audrey and David dating. I was like, uh, and then Audrey was like, "Do you always keep me and Joseph at a distance?" Well, I don't know. I don't feel right, Audrey. Do you resent us, David? And then it was like, I would have never wished that injury on you, David. I was like, uh, I was like, I got hired for the. And then they go back home, and he finds out that the, he got hired for the New York job. And Audrey was like, Well, maybe we can try again, even if you still go. And as we see that he goes into his answering machine, God, I'm old. Oh, this was no, there's no longer answering machines anymore. It says your bones don't get weak like I do. Your body receives bacteria. You don't get sick. You and I react the same way to water. If we think too much, we can drown. But we're on the same curve, just on opposite ends. You have a weakness to water. That's your kryptonite. Really good dialogue and great foreshadowing Mm -hmm. to uh, what is to come. But then on the third rainy day in a a row in West Philadelphia, born and raised, uh, not for me, but uh, it's it's the Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. Also not topical. Not topical. Uh, he's, wearing, <laughs> he's wearing his poncho and he goes to Penn Station. Yes. And there are a ton of people passing by. Um, makes me very uncomfortable in a post or in a COVID world. Yes. Now. Makes me very uncomfortable. I forgot. I was like, oh, yeah, you could do that <laughs> and not and- have to fear about getting sick. And he bumps into a couple people, mm-hmm. um, three of them. And we only hear the dialogue. Sorry about my dad. He's watching sports. That's okay. I am trying to talk over him <laughs> because he has the worst, worst timing. Um, <laughs> again, this is one, one of my other favorite scenes in the movie. As we see that David notices that his power is he needs to touch someone to see kind of like their sins, kind of like their crimes. Yes, and he touches a woman who stole jewelry, and she was wearing a red jacket. Of course. Uh, And everything that David touches, he sees everything in black and white, but we focus on the color of the people that they're wearing. Yes, he sees the worst crimes in people, which Mm -hmm. is, man, that... We see the person in the white shirt, in in the yellow shirt, we see that he was throwing bottles to a black family. He says, go back to Africa. And then we see the person. In so the he's green a racist shirt. and he assaults them. Mm-hmm. And we see and the, the person, worst crime of all. The one in the green shirt. Yes. Yeah. The one in the green shirt. We see a guy going to a room. We see a woman in a, in a bed. She's kind of like half undressed. I was like, what's your name? I think you drink too much. As we see him slowly and creepily shuts down the door. Yeah. So he's a rapist. Uh-huh. And God. between all of these scenes, we hear that beautiful piece of score, like, dun, 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 mm, in the violin, dun, boom, boom, of Jay's new to Howard. It's very, well, for lack of a better term, heroic. Mm-hmm. And just epic. Especially um, during the final act. Yes. You know what I'm talking about, because we have to get to our final act. The man in orange. Mm-hmm. The man in the orange who is this janitor mm-hmm. and or the maintenance man. And he has a vision. He has a terrible vision of the man. He goes to a home and he just straight up kills this guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, David is horrified. And um, then he leaves work. He goes to the house. He just knows where it's at. Beautiful like, shot before he enters the house with the puncher in the water. Yeah, and the fact shot. that you don't see his face and everything, mm-hmm. you see his boots stepping on the uh, in the puddles in the rain, mm-hmm. and it's it's pouring pretty badly. Yeah, and he f- sneaks into the home, and he at first looks like a home intruder, but we know that he's the secret guardian. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> he finds two girls that are tied up, and he gets them out of there, and then he looks for. Um, the wife, the wife, and unfortunately, uh, the guy pushes him into the pool. Yeah, and it's too late for the wife. She's already gone. Mm-hmm. Like she's not moving or anything. 
and uh, then the windows open. David looks out, but the uh, the maintenance guy pushes him out the window, and he lands in the pool, and we get this cool, um, or it has the winter cover on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, wearing a poncho in the rain, it's not good, so there's a lot of water in there. Mm-hmm. And he is he clearly doesn't know how to swim, and it's his kryptonite, so he is drowning pretty badly. And it's really... It's like heartbreaking, but also really cool, like how they shot everything underwater. Mm-hmm. And like the spiraling of the camera as he's falling and also as he's drowning. But then he gets saved by the two girls. And then as we he goes back into the house, sees the 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 man in orange, and they start fighting. And David just kind of like a fucking like a like a fucking luchador. He's on top of this guy, fucking choking him. And the guy's just trying to fucking bump into him against the wall. And just we see the wall breaking. And he, David is not letting go. And I'm like, if Zack Snyder would have directed that moment. <laughs> the, the whole well, I mean, have... that's what he does. Is yeah, that's that what he, he holds does. his neck so tight that he breaks his freaking neck. You mm-hmm. just see his arms just go limp. And he just, yeah, he kills a guy. Yeah, he kills but him. The, but I mean, the guy did deserve it. And mm-hmm. he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to go out easily again i apologize for my dad (laughs) it's okay and then after he comes back home hangs up his cape Mm -hmm. uh, as it says on the imdb uh synopsis which i love this the next scene is david back at home hanging up his cape er um dot dot poncho (laughs) and then he carries audrey upstairs and then she's like what's wrong and he carries him to the bed and he mm-hmm. just goes, I had a bad dream. And he actually used, uh, has an intimate moment with his wife where mm-hmm. he actually g- com- looks to her for comfort. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he just killed a guy. So he's very screwed up about this. Is this where we get the flashback? Um, Which one? Well... Uh, we got through all of Elijah's flashbacks. But, yeah, I mean, is this the last day? Oh, yes, we do see the flashback of the car of the car crash. What actually happened? Mm-hmm. So technically, David, he was he's wearing kind of like a jersey, and he's trying to free up Audrey. So he's only actually he bends metal foreshadowing. <laughs> he bends the metal of the car to rescue Audrey. And as we see a, a guy coming, he was like, is she okay? It was like, we're going to ambulance. Are you okay too? And that was the moment where David decided to lie that he had an injury, even though he didn't have one. To uh, do everything for Audrey. And then as we go back to the present, and we see that Joseph goes to the kitchen, and then Audrey says, if Elijah Price shows up here again, we need to call the police. And it was like... Uh, and then as we see David in silence, he slides the newspaper as we see the drawing of him on the poncho. And, and then with Joseph in silence, he just look at him was like, a, and David's like, you were right. And then, and then he just tells him, shh, got a secret, can you keep it? <laughs> I knew it. Fucking knew it. No, this is really good acting. From, it's really again, great Spencer acting. Card. Spencer Treat Clark and Bruce Willis, and it's mostly just done with the score, mm-hmm. which you know you get the epic swelling music of as he is uh, during the drowning, mm-hmm. or he's just drowning, and you get the epic music swelling, and then the pole comes in, and that's how he got saved. Yeah, um, and so um, after this, this is where we get our final confrontation. The big reveal. I knew that this was going to happen because mm-hmm. I knew this twist. But I'm still surprised at how effective this twist was. Mm-hmm. Give me a sec. I will explain. Yeah. So we he, we see David going to the limited edition gallery as we see this woman. I was like, oh, you're seeing right there. That's a Johan Davis with that Mrs. Price. It was like... The villain, you can see that slightly he has the bigger eyes is because to show that he has a bigger perspective on the world. He doesn't look scary. But there are always two kinds of villains, I told to my son. The soldier villain 
who fights the hero with his hands, foreshadowing. The real threat is the arch enemy who fights the hero with his mind. <laughs> oh, yes. Totally not relevant at all. Oh. <laughs> but then we see Elijah's in the back. Because, mm -hmm. again, this is this is a really cool art show, though. I would yes. go there. And then he... He's holding the, the newspaper. Back and he's like... Yep, he's holding the newspaper and he's like, I'm proud of you, David, because he knows. Mm -hmm. He deduced it very early. And he's just like, I think you should shake my hand. You know, just put her there, man. And so he does. And I love on the IMDb that it says, just like Christopher Walken in Stephen King's The Dead Zone, while, uh, <laughs> while shaking hands, uh, he has a vision. And it's see, and he sees that Elijah is responsible for all of the disasters. Mm -hmm. The plane crash, the, the hotel fire, burning. Mm -hmm. because of the one random asshole drunk guy that's just like hey i worked at that building for 20 years and i'll tell you this secret random stranger <laughs> if you set a fire on the first second or third floor everyone will be dead mm -hmm. and it's like huh good to know and we saw that he was the one that tampered with the east rail 177 train mm -hmm. and the <laughs> the conductor just thinks nothing of it he just has his lunch and he's just like Hey, you're not supposed to be there. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't question why some random guy who is in who has a cane clearly is walking very slow, obviously mm -hmm. has issues with his body. It was in the conductor like uh entrance. Yeah. And uh yeah, we saw him exiting that and then we also see all the newspaper clippings of the disaster. In other disasters that he oh, didn't oh, like mention. All the disasters, because it seems like he's responsible. He's basically a terrorist. Yeah. He's a domestic terrorist. A mass light in Mexico, and he has a lot of blueprints for other places, bombs. And uh, and there's like, a, and you know what, Mr. Gaza was like, you know what's the most scariest thing? Not to know your place in this world. And to, know, to not know why you're here is an awful feeling. And then they were like, what have you done? I gave up hope. You killed all of those people, but I found you. So many sacrifices, but I found you. Now that we know who you are, I know who I am. I'm not a mistake. Now it all makes sense in a comic who the arch villain is going to be. He's the exact opposite of the hero. And most times they're friends like you and me. You know why? Because of the kids. As we see that David is walking and in freeze frame says, David done led the police to led the police to the evidence. And he's like, they call me Mr. Glass. Elijah Price is now in an institution for the criminally insane. <laughs> it's just crazy how good that reveal is executed mm -hmm. and everything just clicks. It's a mm -hmm. good twist. And yes, every uh every villain needs a worthy adversary. Elijah found his. Mm -hmm. They call me Mr. Glass. And yep, and then it's just through text. It's just like, oh yeah, and he turned him in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we get the awesome James Newton Howard score. So, what did you think? I already know uh, what you think of Unbreakable. This movie... But, uh, explain a little bit further, if you can. Okay. I have a history with this movie. I only saw it once when it came out on VHS. So I remember seeing it pretty well. But when years later, talking about another of my favorite shows, Heroes, Heroes reminded me a lot of the vibe of Unbreakable. And then I remember when I got I got to see Unbreakable again, exactly when I got, when I saw Split. And now I noticed, I was like, wow, like even though I only have seen the movie only once, I remember so many details about it. But now analyzing this now as a movie nerd, like everything that I have like with experience, this movie still holds up. And also I got to see this in a, in a screening that hosted by N.I. Shyamalan was showing Unbreakable and Split before the, the preview of Glass, of seeing Glass two weeks before. And seeing all of these three movies, especially Unbreakable, with so many movie nerds that we love at night, 
it was the one of the best experiences I ever had in a movie theater. Oh, that's great. But my one question, you didn't get to meet M. Night. I would have thought that you would have barreled one right up there. M. Night was not there. He was only there through Skype. Ah, oh, damn. Oh, my. If I had a photo with M. Night Shyamalan, oh, my God. I mean, like, like if he was there in person, I know you would have balled your or uh, ran your ass up. Oh, there. yeah. A lot of people would have died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that you, life. Just, you just would have went through them like. Like, I don't know, like... Like a, a fucking, like, one of those football players? <laughs> Very relevant to... Very relevant. <laughs> I'm glad you picked that. But yeah, this is the first time I've watched it. Mm -hmm. Very weird uh, relationship with the East Rail 177 trilogy for me. Mm -hmm. Because I have seen Split, and I had seen Glass. And I saw Split first in the theaters... I only knew about Unbreakable because I had just kept hearing about it and mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, it's a great deconstruction, everything. It's, it's M. Night's best movie. And I was like, okay, all right. I still didn't have time to see it out of sheer stubbornness before Glass came out. I mm -hmm. should have, but it didn't really matter because I still, I have mixed feelings about Glass. Mm -hmm. But Raul absolutely loved it. He will always say this. It's his Avengers. Yeah. Glass is my fucking <laughs> Avengers. It's my Spider-Man No Way Home, etc. Like yes, this. Yes, it's crazy. I have many fucking theories. When we get to Glass, the thing that I love the most is that I Shaman has subverted my fucking expectations. But when which, we get there, well, I'm going to talk about it. Which, yeah, that's the other thing is I love just how smart the deconstruction is. It felt very genuine. It wasn't trying to like talk down to the audience. Mm -hmm. And I like that M. Night Shyamalan... He was doing this way before comic book uh, movies were the standard. Yes. Like you would really think it was like, but it still feels very small and intimate. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell this wasn't made with a, a lot of money, mm -hmm. but they utilized what they had and it was just a very well-written script. Like early M. Night Shyamalan. Mm -hmm. Much better than later M. Night Shyamalan. M later M. Night Shyamalan, with his blockbusters, mm -hmm. he didn't really do too well with those. But the human then back he went back into these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then he's gone back to smaller movies. Mm -hmm. Which, that's a very smart move, because he just works with... He, he works better with a smaller budget and just working on his own scripts, I guess. Oh, Which, also, I mean, he, he always does that. He also, he uses his own money. He totally he funded Glass. He's like, Universal, because I remember I, I read that Universal didn't like his pitch. So he put out the whole $20 million for the movie. He, I was like, I want my final cut and everything. Yeah, and he only needed $20 million. Mm -hmm. And still made a bunch of money. It or, won't make as much money as uh, Sixth Sense, which that made like... Ooh. ridiculous boatloads yeah. of money no, nothing's <laughs> ever going to top that no especially now with covid but um yeah it's it was very i'm glad that it lived up to the hype mm -hmm. and unbreakable was not a big hit when he came out yeah it was one of those things where it just grew a fan base over time mm -hmm. it became a cult classic which is a lot of m night Shyamalan movies now is yeah. that like much like Zack Snyder, who is my M. Night Shyamalan, over <laughs> time, their work gets appreciated more. Mm -hmm. And you really like how they just swing for the fences. They just do whatever the hell they want. They don't really compromise. You could just tell that this was all his oh, yeah. idea. Like, he, there was no really... There was no studio notes or anything. Mm -hmm. I felt I felt like this was entirely his creation, and I appreciate and respect that above anything else. And just for that reason, and like great acting, great screenplay, amazing score. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give this a nine and a half. Damn. It only slightly goes below a ten because, um, I I don't know. I I just feel like I need to see it more. Yeah, really, I think you need more time to ten. like uh, to absorb it. Yeah, I don't think it's his best movie. Ooh. I think it's his second best movie. Interesting. I still think The Sixth Sense is his best made like movie, but this mm -hmm. is a very, very close second. I understand why people love this movie so much now, and I thank you for making mm -hmm. me <laughs> making me watch it. 
No, and also, um, I want to. I have been a fan of N9 since I was a kid. Since I walk out of science, I was like, uh, I need to know more about this guy. And I saw Six Sense and Unbreakable and all of his movies after that. And I Shaman is a great director because that's the thing that you said. I love that he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do it the way that I shot it. My crazy twist, story, dialogue. And that's the thing. Nowadays, you don't have a lot of directors that they will have complete range of everything that they want to do. Like you can name, I can name five right now and that will be too short. It's like only Shyamalan, Ryan Johnson, Christopher Nolan. and I cannot think of two more. Like at the directors that would not have any studio interference, any no problems, like they can do whatever they want. Maybe Scorsese, Terrence Malick, but... Jim Jarmusch, David Lynch, maybe David Lynch. David Lynch is like, he is a whole other level. We (laughs) can never do any David Lynch movie because his films are literally impossible to describe. (laughs) It's just something that you just got to see to believe. Especially like, oh my god, could you imagine if we did like a racer head? We would ne- we would be talking nonsense. I know about the weirdness nonsense. of that movie and I have never seen it. I I own a racer head and I Ooh. don't know if I should have, but I feel like I kinda had to because I just had to know. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those it's probably the strangest experience I have ever had in my life. <laughs> like the images that are in there will probably haunt my nightmares. So <laughs> We're not talking about David Lynch. We're talking about M. Night Shyamalan, baby. I will give this movie a 10. That's the thing. This is the, technically my fourth time I have seen it in my not whole an life. 11. Not Surprising. an 11 because, you know what? Just because you see it. Just because I noticed most of the foreshadowing. So, Glass, okay, it's an 11. Uh, yeah. Yes, okay, it's a fucking 11. Yes, because when we go into Glass and I said those points right now a lot of people that hated glass is because maybe they didn't saw unbreakable that like you needed to see unbreakable right before glass and i think i got lucky that i saw that that marathon because there's a lot of glass foreshadowing in unbreakable if you pay close attention like to the painting discussion and what the mother is saying to to elijah in every single scene there was a lot of payoffs in glass so yeah, this is this movie is perfect for me. This whole trilogy is perfect for me though. I love this fucking trilogy, but we'll go into the sequels later. But and can you plug your socials, Billy? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Master of Puns one nine six. Every word starts with a capital letter. You can also follow our main Twitter or the main show Twitter at S Y N S Pod. Just shoot us a message there and. Uh, you can also give us a five-star review and just write a review on Apple Podcasts, also Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever podcasts are listened to. And what about you, buddy? You can find me, as always, at RoboBearRDC on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and on TikTok at RoboBearRDC. You can also, please, like you said, follow the podcast in this way in this past. Please give us a review. And as always, see you next summer. Dun, 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 dun. We make podcasts better. Ha, 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 ha.